Hello and welcome to It's a Gundam, the internet's best episode-by-episode Gundam Seed podcast that finished Gundam Build Fighters and decided to reconquer the next real Gundam series. My name is Jeremy. Rattle Python is my favorite Python plugin. I'm Tyler. Hera's <laughs> shooting in onto a random boat. My name is Zach. I'm pretty sure it's like a military base speech area. It's the speechatorium. Yeah, it's definitely a harbor. We are watching episode 11 of Reconquista in G this week, entering the space war. <laughs> We're almost halfway through this. I know. It's it's a little bit sad because I was expecting it to do something. I feel like I'm poking the show with a stick. It's about like... to do something, Tyler. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not looking forward to it based on that. We're also a little less than halfway since we're going to be doing the movies as we go through. So we're not quite halfway through with nothing happening yet. But we're close. We'll probably get there. So what has happened in Reconquista and G so far? There was a kid named Bellary. He's in the Capitol Guard who guard the Capitol. He was kidnapped by a hot space pirate. He was into it. Along with his friends Naredo Nug and his person who fell from space near him, Mariah <laughs> Monday. She doesn't remember anything because of the oxygen deprivation on account of she fell from space. Anyway, they're like, you're better at piloting this Gundam than this incompetent woman whose competency went away in episode nine. So it's your Gundam now. We're pirates. And by pirates, we mean part of the Amerian army. We're going to go conquer your homeland. We're a false flag operation. And Bellary continues to be into it because hot lady. Anyway, the Capitol Guard was spun off into the Capitol Army by a Final Fantasy villain who may also be from space. We don't know. Colonel Compact. (laughs) (laughs) He can fit into those tight parking spaces. Also, Bell's mom, Bell's mom, Bellary's mom is in charge of photon battery distribution for the tower, and she's against the Capitol Army, but pro Capitol Guard and got Bellary's teacher Curbs to join the pirate party. (laughs) And she works closely with the space pope. Also, there's Mask, who's part of the Capitol Army and went to school with Bellary and now hates him, even though I don't think they've ever had a conversation since then. They've had conversations since the start, but they were always positive conversations. It's really weird. I meant they haven't had a conversation since Bell got kidnapped. No, probably not. Anyway, Mask's loneliness manifested himself into a female sidekick named Barara. (laughs) Despite the fact that he already had a girlfriend when he had a name. Yeah, but she's not allowed in the military yet. She did. Her name is Manny Ambassador. She did join the military, but she's just a reservist. They're all Kintala, and by all of them, I mean Barara, Mask, and Mask's girlfriend, Manny. Also Naredo. Which meant apparently they were food in a past era. And now they're discriminated against, which is why Mask has the military so good, like no one ever did. It's not going so well for him so far. I do like that this episode, he gives up a speech of like, I'm going to make up for all the times I've messed up, and everyone's like, yeah, you messed up. <laughs> <laughs> Also, Clem Nick and Mick Jack. Are they in this episode? I don't believe so. They are. Clem Nick is a genius and the son of the president of Ameria. He left with his girlfriend, question mark, Mick Jack to go be in the plot elsewhere. They were on the pirate ship for a while, though. It's unfortunate because Clem Nick was a great character. Yes. Anyone I forgot? There's Danielle. He's in charge. I can't believe you haven't mentioned Steer. I do like Steer. She doesn't do much this episode, though. But she does speak English. All right, again, we are watching episode 11, Entering the Space War. You can watch along, too, if you have the power. We start with another last time on, in which Bellry is like, I've decided I love Ida, the hot space pirate lady, and that helped me build up my self-confidence. However, that did not help me 
having a Gundam mobile suit that could teleport like I'm a Dragon Ball Z character helped me. And <laughs> kick he... this one random dude into a swamp. I, I do love that he basically just straight up says that, too. It's like, <laughs> having self-confidence was useless. What I needed was a kick at something. I mean, firepower does a heck of a lot more to win a battle than self-confidence does. In a weird way, I kind of like the fact that we start this one up while they're basically doing maintenance on the megafauna. In space, to make sure that there are no air leaks. In space with the mobile suits. Although they're like smearing repair gel on it. Yeah. Although Belry's hammering it with the G-Self, and he almost squishes Hoppa. We forgot to mention Hoppa. He's a mechanic. A suicidal mechanic, as far as I can tell. (laughs) I'm not sure how much self-preservation anyone in this series seems to have. Uh, Given that they never put down like their visors or use their helmets in space. Oh, they're worried about Raraya's self-preservation in particular. But to be fair, she's still space crazy from lack of oxygen. And since they're afraid she's going to go out and hug the Gundam and they are in space where that would be a problem, they have tied her to a chair and told their Haro to notify them if she escapes. They're doing this on the bridge and it's Ida and uh, Naredo doing this. And Danielle's just like, yeah, this seems like an okay place for that. <laughs> well, they need to uh, need someone to be available to supervise. I do like that executive officer's flight suit is slightly unzipped, like he wears his shirts all the time, (laughs) except it's the fly suit. Anyway, they reveal their plan is to go stop their own army from mobilizing their space fleet. Or rather, that's Ida's plan, and she's the one who's really in charge. Because when Danielle asks questions, he's like, okay, fine. Because, no, Ida And also, she knows Steer, and Steer will go wherever Ida says. Specifically, Ida doesn't want to let Clem Nick do anything. So she wants to stop him from launching well, their that's space fair. fleet. She's like, now that my boyfriend, mentor, uncle is dead, <laughs> there's no point in us occupying the Capitol Tower. And the Capitol Army are protecting it, so it's fine. Do we ever learn Klimnik's full name in this show? Yes. Do, it do is, you know it? I do. It's never explicitly said. You have to piece it together. But that he is Klimnichi Zucchini. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was Nikini. You're right, it is Nikini. Because his dad is Zucchini Nikini. You're right, yes. (laughs) We do get a little bit here from Naredo saying no war in space as she's like glomped onto Raraya and I guess Raraya needs to be untied for whatever reason because her biological functions are decreasing according to the Haro thing. Yes, if she doesn't hug a Gundam once a day, she'll explode. Cut to Ida's dad in a glider, which he borrowed from the Capitol Tower. This is all continuity. Space glider. You're correct. He's performing re-entry, hoping he's going to make it back in time. And monologuing about uh, how if the president wants to launch the space fleet, it's an infringement on his authority. His absolute authority. Cut to the space tower where Belry's mom is going up to space, being like, oh, the Capitol Army war has nothing to do with our tower. And some random guy's like, are you sure we're going to be all right? And she's like, Amaria would never invade our tower. Probably. The Pope says so. Oh, wow, there goes a mobile suit. It's okay, though. It's one of ours. But we see a Mac knife disengaging from the the crown. These are the first time we've seen the Mac knife. Yep. There are a bunch of Mac knives. And Barara's in one, as well as Mask. And some other people. They get names, but they don't matter. No. They don't even get faces. So Ida's dad passes by two Amerian ships that try to shoot him down. And... And we, we, we do find out that this is basically, that this turns into a gunnery exercise 
Whereas the Mac knives have rendezvoused with the Granadon, which is now the space Granadon on account of it is in space. <laughs> I do love that they continuously call it that. I'm like, is it not just the same <laughs> ship? I don't. I like this. Uh, Kate says with a shield. As some guy points out the Mac knife, Mac knife looks stupid, but they're like, well, as long as they perform, it doesn't matter. And Manny is already on the Granadon to greet them. As Mass comes out, I was like, with this Mac knife, I'll do way better than I did before. And everyone's like, yeah, let do better. But then they and send, then he messes with his hair. <laughs> they send in the recruits to do vacuuming. And Manny is very adamant that they have to do it good or they could ma- damage the mobile suits. I'm not sure exactly how. It's not like they have uh, ducted engines or anything like that. Well, you see, Zach, it's Gundam gravity, so you never know when one of the pieces of debris is going to decide it can just float now <laughs> and pick up speed into one of the mobile suits. Fair point. So Mask comes down and is like, oh, good job, Manny. Also, Barara, come out and hang out with us. And then Barara floats down all Gundam gravity-esque. And Mask helps her down by the heel in this shot I really like, but does seem weird. And Manny's like, ah, he touched her heel. He must be fucking her. (laughs) But it felt more like it was a rearrange, like re- reorienting Barara, like tossing her down the hallway towards like a briefing room type of thing more than it was like helping her down to stop. And Manny's like, I thought he was doing it for his Kuntala pride, not to materialize some hot chick. (laughs) (laughs) He's already got me. Speaking of hot chicks, we cut to the Salamandra, which is the ship captained by Klim Nick. Mid uh, mid tirade about how much of failures his gun crews are for missing one glider. But this just, like, he apparently has a rowdy batch of One Piece pirates as his crew, <laughs> as they're just chanting. <laughs> well, I mean, like, you can see here they're all dudes, and yes. they can see a hot chick on the gantry. Well, he is like, now let me introduce you to this ship's designated hot chick, Mick Jack. She's the queen of the ship. You're allowed to ask her to step on you, but that is the extent of your interactions with her. <laughs> However, whoever does the best at mobile suit combat will get to be the king of the ship. And you know what that means. She will step on you when you <laughs> ask. I, I do like he, how he's like, and who's going to be king of the country? And everyone's like, you, Klimnik, you're awesome. And he's like, no, you dumbasses. It's one of you. <laughs> it's got to be one of you, not me. I will be the vizier. Whispering in your ear, making sure you die. <laughs> and then they have like a cheer. It's it's very strange. Mick Jack's like quite different from being on a pirate ship, huh, Clem Nick? Where they were all orderly and followed orders in a di- uh, direction, except for wanting to apply pirate law to everybody. <laughs> and then Clem Nick replies, or, you know, these people are simple and all you have to do is flatter them. Uh, to which Mick Jack just laughs because... I think she realizes that's all you have to do to Klim Nick, too. <laughs> well, I think he, she also realizes that he's also talking about her. I see, because I, he's specifically talking about pilots, and she's kind of got the, oh, you know, he's right. See, I read this as, to reference our earlier conversation off the mics, uh, Mick Jack is just into Klim Nick, so she's laughing at his terrible joke. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Cut to Earth, where Ida's dad is still gliding down. And this uh, we got we have uh, Klimnik's dad giving a speech on a space cruiser that's like in the harbor. Klimnik's president dad, I think it is important to note. He's basically like, we're going to launch this cool rattle python. But he gets interrupted by a guy parachuting onto the deck of the ship he's giving a uh, speech so from. So Ida's dad is employing the age-old method of Grand Theft Auto dismounting from uh, flying vehicles. He I... simply has bailed out and it let loose his parachute. 
Who knows where that glider is going to crash? I was just now. thinking that. <laughs> I was going to say this feels like a Metal Gear Solid opening cutscene to me. The president giving a speech and then someone just parachutes down, and then this nothing is, happens as a result. That's this is very how, This is how you use in open world games. This is how you use flying vehicles Absolutely. to get anywhere. You're like I'm over where I need to be. Screw landing. I'm just going to jump out and parachute down to where I need to be. <laughs> anyway, the president's like, hey. Who are you? What's going on? Oh, the general. I guess you're allowed to be here and do that then. But <laughs> what is going on? You're late. As he's stripping out of his space suit and in, just into his normal suit. It's, it's really funny. <laughs> he's like, yeah, I'm late because I had to go make sure our spies weren't feeding me bullshit. They weren't. <laughs> anyway, the Capitol Army is real. But but before he could finish his sentence, because it's G-Reco, the president's like, hey, Taking over the tower to crush Gondwin was your plan. I'm just following it. And he's like, yeah, but why would you launch it without me? It's my plan. And without my clearance, this kind of implies that he has some more authority over the military than this president does. I think so, yeah. I think it's a temper. I think the president is probably supposed to be commander in chief, though, and that was just an arrangement, since clearly when the president gave the order, it was followed. And what he says here is with me launching the fleet by my uh, presidential authority. And so I just I was like, I'd like you to press cancel the attack on the options menu. And he's like, I already pressed for logistical support. I would lose all of my gotcha bucks if I did that now. <laughs> and Ida Zed is like, well, if it's too late, I guess we're going to war now. I guess this is a metaphor about the way Japanese soldiers acted in World War II and how we were too honorable. You've all seen Mobile Suit Gundam, right? I'm a duorombarol. <laughs> uh, yeah, let's, let's not get into that. I think Tomino very much wants to get into that and be like, hey, don't do this. No, I more of meant don't get me started on that, because well, I could probably do for a while. Well, that, that's why we're not allowed to watch Mobile Suit Gundam for this podcast, Zach. <laughs> so we go back to Commander Jugen. Jugen. And we find out that the Salamandra is being chased by their own Granadon, and the Megafauna is also in pursuit. So we've got a conga line going on here. <laughs> and, and just to detangle proper nouns for anyone not paying attention, the Salamandra is the cool new Amerian ship that Klemnik is captain of now. The Space Grotodon is the Capital Army's cool ship that they borrowed from Gondwan, the mortal enemies of Ameria. Also known as just the Gondoron. And the Megafauna is the pirate ship that the main characters are on that is secretly part of the Amerian Army. Meanwhile, Colonel Compact Car enters the scene. And Jigen's like, when did you get here? And he was like, at the end of last episode. <laughs> With the Pope. And Jigen's like, this might turn into a battlefield. And Compact is like, it's okay. I like to watch. <laughs> and Jigen Jigen <laughs> is very confident in their ability to use one warship to sink two. Historically speaking, that's not usually how that works. He has an absurd amount of confidence in the mass core. To be fair... He believes he is facing a man named President Zucchini, <laughs> Which, um, who has put his son in charge of his ship. That is, that is fair. I do wonder, like, because they haven't really given it to us, how big the Salamandra is versus the Gondwan. I think the Garan or not Gondwan, the Garanodon. I think the Garanodon, it seems to be like a battleship. I believe the Salamandra is as well, though. I think the Garanodon is a little bit bigger, but I don't think it's, like, significantly. I think it's, like, one more set of guns bigger. Say, the problem is, when fighting a man named General Zucchini, you can't underestimate I'm sorry, President Zucchini. You can't underestimate him because he does squash all of his competition. 
<laughs> so we get a shot of Bellary's mom basically noting that, hey, Bellary is in space aboard the megafauna now. Oh, look, it's the Pope. And then leaves. <laughs> but then we get a, a weird cutaway of like, Bellary's mom seems to be putting some pieces together and we have a weird line of, the G-Self came down from space. It can't be, I raised Bell, I'm not handing him over to anybody. Like, what does that mean? This Bell's is mom? an interesting line. Like, this does, this is interesting. What are you talking about? Although, as opposed to most things, it makes a bit more sense to leave that as a mystery because yeah. clearly this is something that they want the viewer to be like, what's going on here? And not answering the question immediately. It's clearly important, though. And we also had randomly Naredo last episode being like, uh, Bellary's adopted, I think. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Cut to President Zucchini's reaction gif of him laughing at somebody <laughs> and be like, ah, excellent. According to the to General Goosan, the, the Pope is on the tower, so we can take him too. This is great news. He wasn't just late to be fashionable and cool with his parachute. <laughs> and then we see a bunch of hover warships. I believe those are other space warships. They're going into space. I would have hated to be on the back ones because they were 90 degrees. <laughs> yep. In <laughs> atmosphere. They're definitely spaceships because he's like, ah, oh, this cool fleet will protect my son, Clem Nick, while he geniuses his way to taking over the Capitol Tower. And then he basically philosophizes for a while about how his soldiers are so much better than the Capitol Army soldiers because they've actually done stuff. And, like, he's probably not wrong. That's what I was thinking. He's, like, he's kind of right to be confident in people who have been doing this, you know, fighting for... 10 years, right? That's how long the war with Gondwan's supposed to have gone on? That's what information we've been given. Yeah. Versus the untested and basically unblooded capital army. I may be named President Zucchini, but at least my lips don't look like that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, then we get an eye catch. Hello, everyone. It's your estranged space uncle, Tyler. Thank you for listening to Space Episode Space 11 of Raikun Gisa in Space, The Space Wars. I'm late getting this up this week, so I'm going to keep this short and sweet. Consider joining our Discord. Uh, you can find it on our website, www.lastpodcast.com. There's a contact us section, and there's a link to the Discord there. If you would like to hang out with us, uh, also there's our patreon.com slash lastpodcast if you are feeling generous at uh, $5 a month. You get access to all of our content early, including the next two episodes of Gundam already up there. We have a bonus episode where we rank all the Bond movies, and we're just starting a fun bonus project that we're also postponing in support of the WGA strike. So one of these days, that'll go up as well, hopefully. You also get access to our entire backlog of bonus content. Um, all the regular episodes, I don't know if people know this, are on our website at www.lastpodcast.com. Um, they go back forever. Most podcatchers, including Apple, only support, I think, like 300 episodes, which is a lot, but we've actually hit that limit on a couple of our shows, uh, such as last time on video games. So if you want to find older stuff, that's where to go for that. Okay, I am done rambling for this week. Please enjoy space. I do like how the eye catches all have different music based on who's in them. Yeah, it's a very nice touch. So General Ida's dad gets on a ship and is like, all right, our plan is to go up as quickly as we can to divide their forces. 
and also maybe get a pope. The captain's like, well, if it works, this will be one-sided. And General Gishin is like, yeah, that's the point. Finally back to the megafauna, where Ida is boarding her GR cane. And Bellary is like, hey, you can't make the spate, you can't make the uh, salamander on your own. But before they can finish this conversation, Raraya escapes. And only after she is in the docking bay out of her rope, does Harobi go, hey, Raraya escaped. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, she Looney Tune bonks her head with Naredo. What was the point of that scene? Comedy relief? <laughs> to interrupt the the conversation between Belle and Ida after Ida points out that she has a lot of experience as a space pirate. So the Grotodon starts launching its cool Mac knives and last episode's whooshes. And Mask is like, God damn, for our first battle of space in Mac knives, they sure are asking a lot of us. Well, guess there's nothing but to sink two battleships with one. We learn Bararo's last name. Peor. That's her immunity gone. And... Clem Nick is kind of along the side here of like, well, they're attacking us, but uh, if we just attack the Capitol Tower, they'll divide their forces. And Mick Jack's like, yeah, well, I guess I will one feed all of them. I took all of Ida's competence, so I'll be fine. <laughs> Mick Jack is in her Hecate, and Clem Nick is now in a cool commander Jahanam. It's blue. <laughs> okay, so I have a question here. Clem Nick is looking at his radar while Manowski particles are spread. Does that track? The Minovsky particles seem to only interfere with radio. They also are supposed to affect radar, but it could be that he's far enough, like he's going away from the battle, right? Okay. It also could be past information of where they were when they were spread. I was wondering if it was past information, but they do a really bad job conveying that, if that's the uh, case. Tyler, they've never told us what Minovsky particles do in this series. Um, the only thing that they've explicitly told us is that Minovsky particles when spread interfere with communications. Yeah, I'm okay with that. I'm just pointing it out. That's fair. As I did watch the Flash movie yesterday with my mom, a movie that felt compelled to tell you who Superman is and what his deal is, but did just have the Flash vibrating through walls like it was a normal thing everybody knew <laughs> the Flash could do. You see Zach, by vibrating his molecules very quickly, he can line them up with an object and pass through that object. It's I don't feel like that's something the Flash normally can do. Yo, no, that's that's a Flash. That's a very common Flash power. But it's something you didn't know, so it's certainly not something my mom knew. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Speaking of the Flash, Clem Nick points out that the enemies are fast, but he's faster because he's got a name. Oh, I was thinking it's a uh, wolf from Star Fox. <laughs> you may be good, but I'm better. So Ida's getting ready to try and leave. But um, no one is letting her go. They're like, yeah, you're incompetent. Just stay on the ship and do a launcher strike. Shoot him down from here. I and mean, she does have a really big gun. And Curbs is like, I'll stop the Capitol Army. He proceeds to not stop the Capitol <laughs> Army. Spoilers. <laughs> I do love how after this, Ida is just like, I can't hear you. But then Bellary's like, hey, stay here and snipe anyone who gets close. And Ida's like, oh, my God, I never would have thought of that. It's a brilliant tactical move. <laughs> Even though it's what she does every episode. <laughs> her competence is gone, and so is her long-term memory. <laughs> oh, Raraya is skill-vampiring Ida's competence <laughs> to become more and more um, And her sentient. mental competency. Yeah, yeah that, and that's why Raraya is slowly getting better, and Ida is slowly getting Ida worse. Ida is just like... Ida is such like a promising character when they first start off, but the more she is like on screen, the worse she is at everything. It's really disappointing. Uh, Salamandra has to stop shooting on account of all their allies and enemies are mixed together and it doesn't want to do any friendly fire. Clem Nick is like, if you spread Manofsky particles, I will bonk you. 
um, and then proceeds to murder a dude. With an axe. It's very Zaku-esque. So he does, takes a quick time out to huddle with Mick Jack about the status of the enemy. And he's like, hey, where are those weird suits that got launched from the ship? Cut to the weird guys that launched from the ship. I do kind of like these new suit designs. I'm not They're a big weird. fan of the Mac knives. They're very weird. And like, I like them from a perspective of like, they're not quite humanoid and that's interesting, but I don't like the look of them. Randomly, I think this is the first one he shows up in in Super Robot Wars X. It's what he has for most of the series. Anyway, a Capital Guard Rex Snow is just there. And Mask is like, what is the meaning of this? <laughs> Grappling. Shall... I'm going to take this Rex Snow hostage. You, you will be my shield. You hunch from a pirate ship. And Curbs is just like, and where the fuck are you from? And Mask is like, ah, oh, you're a Capital Guard amateur. You suck, and I shall belittle you. Ha ha ha. And Curbs is like, this a guy's cr- a dick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, why I, is it that Barara's helmet has, like, antennas? Because she wasn't allowed to wear a bunny girl costume in the military. But they did <laughs> let her do this. Anyway, she light signals uh, Morris Code at them to be like, we have a hostage. Like, hey, give us the G-Self and Varaya and we won't attack. The same thing they've literally told us every time someone has tried to talk to us. And Ida's like, the things they always want. <laughs> That's weird. And Bower's like, what am I going to do here? Fight him? Stop him? And then he draws his gun and immediately gets finger lasered. Because the Mac knife has finger lasers. And also finger communication wires. To tell the G-Self directly, hey, surrender and we'll let him go. And then he, uh, Bellary's like, who am I talking to? And the mask gets out of his cockpit. And my immediate thought was, well, it's not like he's going to do anything to Curbs while he's not in his cockpit. <laughs> so waste him. But of course, this being a Gundam series, he, Bellary gets out of his cockpit and gets lift wire shot. Yeah, mask hits him with a Batman grappling wire. It's like, if that had been a bullet, you would be dead. But instead, you are now in close combat with me. You must surrender. And Bellary is like, I took unarmed combat and grappling. Why is there a mask under your helmet? He's like, it's got data files and sensors. Google Glass is going to take off. It's going to be great. And he's like, Mariah hasn't got her memories back. And Mask is like, we know. Ha ha. Unfortunately, Mask is bad at space close combat. So Bellary gets the edge. And then Curbs tries to kick Mask with the Rex Snow and misses. I'm just saying that if Curbs had made contact with the mask there, I'm pretty sure that would have turned a mask into a floating smear. Yep. I mean, he survived being hit by a beam rifle, so. But it was in the same direction he was already traveling. He survived being love-tapped by a beam rifle. That's very different. Barara Ono's, because Lewin or Oliver, we're not sure, has checked him with their grimoire. So Lewin and Oliver, now more competent than Ida. (laughs) I do kind of like the fact that when Bellary gets back in his cockpit, he's just got that, like, lift wire gun. Yeah, it's just stuck to him, and he can't get it off. <laughs> and Massey's like, ugh, Bellary, always getting in my way. Always doing better on the tests than me, and asking out the girl I like. So and- his his weird, like, animosity towards Bellary here doesn't seem to jive with the rest of it, the attitude he was presented with originally towards Th- Bellary. This is the first time that I think we know for sure that Mask knows that Bellary was in the G-Self. And it, it's presented like this is some sort of Saturday morning breakfast cereal thing, or, bre- or Saturday morning cartoon thing, where they just do this all the time, and he's like, ah, oh, that Bellary always get in my way, and I don't think that's been established at all. You see, the Mask is full of subliminal messages, being like, this is your rival. <laughs> you, must <fight. laughs> you hate him. He killed Lala. <laughs> 
and at first Masker's like, who's Lala? But it's like, you, he killed Lala. And he's like, I'll get him for that. <laughs> so Barara can't destroy the megafauna with Araya on it and is forced to retreat, especially when the G-Self gets back. And now they are outnumbered and they can't actually attack the megafauna because Raraya is on board. Bowery takes a moment to admire this new playset and toy. I like how Mass is like, a backpack? I can't possibly get around a backpack. <laughs> and Barra is like, I can't let a space pirate fight in the space war. As Ida takes off to go face off against Barara. So uh, Bellary checks her out of the way and sends a shadow clone of the G-Self at Barara. No, he just he just uh, gets in between Barara and Ida. And shoots out a shadow clone. I, I want to reiterate. Because he just didn't <laughs> shoot out a shadow clone. Um, and Ida takes the opportunity to actually do something and blasts a hole through Barabra's she- or, uh, she- uh, shoulder. That's the word I'm looking I for. I love the fact that she climbs up on the back of the G-Self when she does this. Yep. It's a very cool shot. It's because in order for Ida to be competent, she has to be in contact with Bellry's <laughs> mobile suit at all times. And Barara goes, oh, either I'm a clutch or the enemy's way too good. And it's Ida who shot me and I don't like the implications. <laughs> and Matt's like, okay, stand down. She was tricked by that flash of light, by that shadow clone. <laughs> ninja tricks. <laughs> when did Bellry learn ninja tricks? I love the fact that Curbs gets back to the ends like, okay, cut out power to all shorting out things and do all this other stuff. And Naredo, with Roraya on basically a leash, <laughs> comes over to talk to him. And is like, hey, is it true they want Roraya? And Roraya's like, I'm Roraya. <laughs> Good job, Roraya. And Curbs is like, we might get shot at any moment. Be careful. And Naredo rightfully is like, yeah, how are we supposed to be careful? If the battleship gets shot, what am I supposed to do? <laughs> Have a bad day, I guess. And Nobel is like, yeah, I agree, actually. <laughs> well, in a way, like... Be, you could translate be careful as make sure you keep your spacesuit on and ready. A thing people in the show famously hate doing. Yeah. I do like that the Mac knife has a rocket launcher in its foot. Yeah. Is that why it's called that? Is it because of the sound? I can't imagine another reason. <laughs> but Bellary realizes that it transforms and decides that it's, he's not going to let it do that again and pulls its leg off. And then punts it into like like it's a Super Sentai finishing move. <laughs> the way it looked when I watched this is he pulls its leg off and then kicks it in the dick. Yeah. And he's like, Barabra, we're leaving before I get kicked in the dick again. We failed again because I suck at this. And Bellary's like, I don't need this shield that's basically shattered. We cut to the Salamandra, which has missed its approach to the tower and would have to go back into orbit to get there again. And both Clem, Nick, and Mick Jack are like, you know, they did something weird and I don't know why, but it helped us out. And Clem, Nick... Chalks up the Capital Army's inability to shoot down the Megafauna to incompetence, or basically being new, um, even though we know that they chose intentionally not to shoot it down because there's a Raraya on board. And Mick Jack's like, that's hilarious, noobs. Well, she's just laughing along with Clem Nick. The captain of the Grotodon is like, Mask, you suck. And Mask's like, I'm sorry, I suck. And he's like, anyway, we got a message from the colonel, I guess, give it to Mask. And Manny's like, oh no, is Mask okay? His leg got cut off. And there's a big dent in his dick. <laughs> and so it cuts to Jugen and Colonel Kampa basically saying, you know, hey, the, the team doesn't uh, have a lot of coordination right now. And Colonel's like, you went for a two-front operation with a bunch of people who don't know what they're doing. Of course it came back to bite you. Anyway, I told the Grotodon to keep going up. And Jugen's like, in order to protect the Pope from the space threat, right? And the Colonel's like, of course! No ulterior motives in this body! 
Ida's dad is also continuing to the top of the tower. This probably won't cause conflict next episode. Certainly not. There are rattle python and four crocodiles. <laughs> Faster than a crown. <laughs> the Rose of Hermes is truly to be feared. Back to the megafauna where we're being exposited the plot, if we couldn't get it, about how the general and his crocodiles are going up to St. Porto, which is the top nut of the tower. This is so weird. Like, Ida has her flight suit, like, just kind of folded like, down around, around her waist, waist. kind of. The executive officer has basically the same thing with his spacesuit, as does the, uh, like, gunner chick back here. But Bellary is just like, yeah, I'm just going to unzip this thing. Bellary's shoulders get cold. Anyway, the top nut, St. Porto, is a holy place where we receive photon batteries. That's why it's called and Holy Port. Bellary is like, no, we can't go there. The, we'll be cursed if we violate the taboo. And everybody else is like, what? I do love how Danielle is just like, oh, for fuck's sake. Ida seems kind of concerned about it. Danielle very much does not. And Rari is just like, space. <laughs> the final frontier. <laughs> to boldly go back where I came from. Why was Raya coming down with the g I would wager we're probably going to find that out later. Well, you <laughs> say is that. G this is G-Reco, so I could be wrong about that. I can neither confirm nor deny anything we may or may not find out about Raya's past missions and motivations. They sure did enter a space war. Mask and Bellary sure did have space kung fu at each other <laughs> while connected to a grapple line in this episode. Poor Mask. He just loses at everything. Why do they keep giving him units? Like Because he's the guy with the mask. <laughs> he is their best pilot? Question mark? I mean, it, it Becker, does... He didn't get Dragon Ball Z kicked by Bellary, at least, right? <laughs> it does make a certain amount of sense. Like, if he is their best... Now that Delonson is dead? Now that Delonson is dead, it makes some amount of sense because, yes, he keeps losing... We don't have anybody better than him, and if he's losing to the G-Self, if we send somebody else, the G-Self is going to make them look like a child. No, he's not. He's already doing that against Mask. It's not that he's the best. It's at level 56, he gets a really good skill, and they're just trying to grind <laughs> him up by getting him all the experience they can. And they're trying to get his support up with Barara. They're just playing for the long term. Why does anyone do anything in G-Reco? I guess putting Klim Nick in charge of the fleet might be the best decision anyone's <laughs> ever made. I mean, it makes a certain amount of sense. Since Klim Nick seems to be one of the most competent individuals in the series so far. He's noted genius. Overall, this episode is... Is it just me or does it feel kind of like a holding pattern? A like, obviously, things are, things are progressing, right? Like... We are obviously moving towards some kind of conflict here, but we have our pretty standard G-Reco thing. Something happened at the beginning of the, of the episode, then a fight happened, and then everybody went back to the status quo. Yeah, I was going to say, it didn't really feel like the status quo was advanced at all. It, it did have some high moments, for sure, but... We got a lot of political stuff, right? We see Ameria for the first time. Yeah. They have a president. We know what Klim Nick is up to now. So, like, there's a lot of status quo establishing, actually, right? Because uh -huh. Mask is now on the Granadon, getting orders from the colonel, and we know what Ameria is up to. It's setting up a bunch of conflict stuff. And like Tyler said, there's a bunch of high points in the conflict, but it is kind of Mask and Barara show up, are incompetent for a minute, and leave. I kind of wish they'd done kind of more of a uh, Gundam Seed thing with this episode, and basically dedicated the whole thing 
to kind of setting up a big old fight in the next episode. I wanted that from this show the entire time we've watched this show. They have not given it to me. Spoilers, you ain't getting that. <laughs> I kind of figured that was probably the case, but I was hoping that we... Well, actually, I wasn't hoping for it because I kind of saw this coming, but I think that would just overall improve this episode. You, you get all the political wrangling and whatnot in there and just get a really good big fight next episode. Do you have a high point, Tyler? Uh, it's definitely Ida's dad parachuting onto the deck of the Rattle Python. That whole scene is great. <laughs> Zach? I think my high point is probably going to be Bellry de-legging Mask's mobile suit and then punting him because I think the animation on that looks really cool. And it does also kind of show Bellry is thinking. Like he recognizes, hey, a tra- he's got a transformation. If I take this away, it's going to make him have problems. I'm going to go with Bellary and Mask's weird space kung fu, which, as you said, is completely unearned with their prior relationship. But imagine if we cared about this, too, as they were fighting, how cool it would be. I mean, in this case, it felt kind of like they have they were like, oh, yeah, we have to have at least one moment where two pilots are out of their mobile suits in space and have a minor confrontation more than like it actually fits here. Tyler, do you have a low point? Um, I think mine's going to be Ida being like, Oh, I can fire lasers from the deck? What a cool tactical decision you've come up with. Zach? Uh, I mean, that's the obvious one, I think. Um, What is my low point? I think my low point might be the end of that confrontation between Ida's dad and the president. Where he's just like, oh, my authority doesn't go anywhere. Okay, I guess just time to fall in line. Yeah, I think that's hugely thematic and very important to the series. But it also, especially to an American audience, just like plays as him like rolling over, right? Yeah, it it kind of does have that feeling of he just rolled over for it, especially it feels out of character for him based on what we've been presented with beforehand. Like he seemed to have more of a conviction earlier on, like this is what I believe, so this is what I believe I'm going to do. And here it's just like, oh, well, it's too late. All right, I guess that's a problem. I think one of the major themes of G-Racko is willful disobedience, right? And the fact that, like, hey, that is maybe something we should add to our culture. And characters like Ida's dad demonstrate why maybe it is a good idea to follow your personal convictions over those of the government. So what's your low point then, Jeremy? That's a great question. I think my low point is going to be how incompetent Mask and Barara come off in this episode. (laughs) Like, earlier Mask has always seemed like, you know, he got tricky backpack. What are you going to do against that? But this time he just like, ha, ah, I've got a hostage. I've got a, oh no, my plan is falling apart. I can't do anything or attack. I guess I'm leaving now. Yeah, it, it feels very much like I didn't have a plan for this. You have an MVP, Tyler. It's not Curbs. Um, <laughs> it's not Ida. Man, I don't really want to give it to Bellary because he didn't do a whole lot. Um, I think I'm going to give it to... I guess Clem Nick did everything he wanted to do this episode. He gave a speech. Yeah, I was going to say, he gave a speech. He was he was fairly amusing. He and Mick Jack had some fun interactions, um, and they actually did all the military stuff they wanted to do. So, except get to the tower, I guess. Who is my MVP? I kind of don't want to give it to Bellary for kind of the same reasons you're saying. And like, he I just think- didn't... He also has a weird default, too. Like, the way the series is kind of set up, nobody but Bellary really does a whole lot. I think mine's going to be Klimnik as well, because, like, he does give that speech at the beginning. He does kind of have the plan. 
Like, there's a lot going on with what he's doing. He's he gets to be setting a petty high action. schooler at the end with Mick Jack. Yep. Yeah, he gets to be the, the the petty high schooler and all that. So. His dad gives him a cool space fleet. I was thinking about Mick Jack, but I think I'm going to give it to General Gushin, Ida's dad. He was his, my second his choice. shoot move. I see why Zach is giving him that low point, because certainly my first watch through for the series, it felt weird and out of character. But I think that's very on purpose and thematically resonant with the series going forward and also he does parachute down and be like hey what's going on here okay i just would hate to be wherever that glider crashed it's probably the ocean there was a lot of ocean there do we want to add anything to our mobile seat list i feel like we should but i don't know that anything stands out this week i thought that we had some things left over on the list for slow weeks we have not done the wrecked snow yet I could not tell you how it's different than a rectin. It's got a big cannon on it. It's different colors. It's got like bulkier legs slightly. I'll um, take your word for it. It doesn't have a welder, which as you know, can be used as a beam gun. <laughs> <laughs> if we want to add the G self's high torque pack as its own thing, we have that. I don't know if we do or not, but it's certainly one of the more different packs. Um, let's see. What else do we have for rainy days? We have not done the grimoires yet. Oh, we have not done the Jahannam yet. I don't know if we want to do Clem Nix Jahannam separately or not. I mean, it's just blue. Yeah. We obviously have both the Mac Knife and the Hecate, but we'll be seeing more of those. Yeah, I would definitely do a Grimoire. I also like the Jahannam a lot, and I don't know that we're going to see a whole lot new from it. I will say Clem Nick is in it for a while, but certainly if you want to do that. I, I, if you're feeling Grimoire or Jahannam, we could do either of those. I think Grimoire sounds good because we've been seeing those for a while, and... They're kind of the grunt suit, right? Yeah. You guys like, I think, the Grimoire more than me, because you guys both really like the Grimoire Red Beret. Do you like the regular Grimoire better or worse than the Ferret Custom? Definitely the Ferret Custom is better. I think the Ferret Custom is a bit better, yeah. Uh, Do you like it more or less than the Wuxia? I think I like it more than the Wuxia, but like only just barely. I think I like it more than the Wuxia as well. Better or worse than the Armor Zagan? Hmm. Mm. I like it more because it's a mobile suit than the Armor Zagan, but... Um, I think I would agree. Like, I think I like it more than the Armor Zagan because the Armor Zagan... Mobile armor automatically gets a ding from me in a lot of places. The Grimoire also feels like it has a bit more character, whereas the Armor Zagan kind of gives off a feeling of we took the top half of a big Zam off. Better or worse than the Build Strike? I think worse than the Build Strike. It's a more interesting design, but it's not, I think, a better design. The baseline build strike. Like, it's still pretty solid, right? It's got a backpack with lasers on it that turns into a jet. I forgot about that. Yes. (laughs) Worse than the build strike. Uh, Final question. Better or worse than the Aegis? I think also worse than the Aegis. I think I agree. Worse than the Aegis. All right. The Grimoire will go at number 63 above the Armor Zagan and below the Aegis Gundam. I'm okay with that. I like these little stupid bald-headed mobile suit things. They're cool. Uh, what's what's the name of the like the digger claw? Mo- I th- think of the act guy. I am thinking of the act guy. Um, I I love the grimoire because it looks like an act guy. I actually <laughs> I- don't care for the the act guy, but I do really like the grimoire. Oh no, I'm a sucker for the, like the little round the, like gremlin mobile suits. So, all right, next week we will be watching the second movie of Rico and Gista in G. It does go. A little further than this, it has like the first few scenes from episode 12, but I think it makes more sense to watch it now instead of after episode 12. There's more of episode 12 than there was of that Delenson episode in the first one, but I still think it makes more sense (laughs) to watch it here. 
So we will be back next week with Bellry's Fierce Charge. <laughs> okay, that's interesting. He's got that torque pack. I guess so. Podcasts you can't hear are nothing. Nothing.